I'm Brendan McLaughlin, and you are listening to the Mackey Hour. Hear all things sports on Wednesdays from 3 to 4, right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Well, and in the end, they're getting what they want, 
and what many good plans are called supportive of one may have for them. And I also said in last week's show that I thought that they could be fine as a side job in the first segment of the show. So I agree with this decision. And if the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are able to have the right safety protocols in place and are able to play the Big 10 to be able to as well. And of course, with the season having back on, these are great players in the Big 10 who are looking at the NFL prospects for the draft and who may not be a first or second round prospect, but maybe middle league round prospect. And it was possible before if there was no Big Ten season, they might have won undrafted because they were able to put a big another season film for the draft and that's all things that now they're going to be able to very good thing to them. And also, another thing that today on Twitter with all the news of these kind of uh decisions to overturn the decision on TV now. I know for numerous people criticizing the Big Ten and going as far as calling them the SEC North now in a negative connotation. And I have to say, being an SEC for all of them, I do not believe appreciate being compared in negative light where it seems like, oh, the SEC is careless with how going off along with this now. Big Ten is just like that. And I know that, so there are teams in the SEC that have had children that might be out there. Typically, LSU, after everyone's wrong said earlier this week, that most of the teams have at some point tested positive. However, almost all of those players who have tested positive at LSU and at SEC schools have recovered. And despite these early issues, the SEC has felt has safety and health protocols in place and it's on track to start the season in some And obviously people are asking how the Big Ten can change their minds and have a season plan. Their response, and my response to that, is that they didn't just make this decision off the cuff. The medical committee focused the Ten school presidents and presented information that demonstrated that it was safe enough to have a football season this fall. So overall, I think the Big Ten, they made the right decision. I'm happy that they were defined during the fall season. Um, but I do feel like they were a little sexist there with other conferences playing. I think they first thought, let's go out in front of this, then in the Pac 12 and cancel our, our season in the fall, expecting that the SEC, Big 12, and ACC would fall suit. And when they did it, they think they can. They handled this whole, this whole situation pretty poorly at the Big Ten, particularly as Commissioner said, the one, the reason is the fall. Yes, it was not safe there. I don't see plenty of medical problems, but then why there's other conferences who are able to have medical protocols in place to be able to play to watch that big time play. So in the end, I think the major thing is going to have a season. I'm happy that they're going to be able to some possible playoffs for election. A real semblance for the season. Uh, some other news for possible is the Pac-12. There's some news that they're improving the ability to be able to have field testing. So they're looking to have a fall season. I'm not sure if it's going to be able to start in October and that they'll be able to be eligible for the college football playoffs, but it does seem like the Pac-12 is being recently making a push to have a season. But in the end, the good news today, Big Ten, is the Central Bowl back on this fall, and they'll be able to be climbing in the college football playoffs. We're going to take a quick break now when we come back and discuss the Auburn football and we'll do our weekly all the time for ourselves, discuss some possible games that happen in the ACC this past week. You're listening to the Matthew Hour on WEGL 91.1 FM, and I'm your host, Brendan Rockman. Hello, and welcome back to the Matthew Hour. I'm your host and sports doctor, Brendan Rockman. To start off this segment, we'll discuss some Auburn players in NFL after week one. And we begin with Cam Newton, the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. 
giving us the free test downs, including 15 of 19 passes for 155 yards and a 21-11 victory of the Dolphins, along with the two weapon touchdowns, we ran the ball 15 times for 75 yards. Running back Peyton Barber, now on the Washington football team, had two rushing touchdowns and ran for 29 yards as Washington came back from being down 17 nothing to beat the Eagles 27 17. Giants wide receiver Barry Freeman, he started right where he left off from last season as he had six catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns as the Giants lost in the 26 16 on Monday Night Football. And in particular, that first touchdown, it was an impressive one for Freeman as he held in a deep ball on the first route from quarterback Daniel Jones. Bengals defensive end Carl Lawson, he had five tackles and sacks as the Bengals lost a heartbreaking fashion to the Chargers. As the Bengals kicker Randy Bullock completely sent a field goal wide right that would set the game to overtime. And in that same game, uh, Bengals starting linebacker Josh Fine, he had eight tackles and sacks. Raiders kicker Daniel Carlson, he was two for two on field goals, including a career long 54 yarder. And he also made all four of the extra points as the Raiders beat the Panthers 34 30. And speaking of former over kickers, Cody Parker, Parky, he signed the Browns on Monday. And Parky is looking to redeem himself after that double joint with the Bears he had in 12 years, two years ago. This is the first real opportunity he's had. He's on practice squad last season. That was his first uh, opportunity uh, since being on the Bears. And then that tough playoff loss happened to that quarterback. And other players this past week, the Cardinals, defensive end Angelo Blackson, he has two tackles and sacks and two quarterback hits as the Cardinals beat the 49ers 24 20. And then Buccaneers quarterback Carlton Davis held one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Michael Thomas for three passes for 17 yards in a loss of the And it was the second fewest receiving yards Thomas has had in his career. So a very uh, good job by Carlton Davis locking down Michael Thomas. And for some Auburn first-round pick rookies, Derek Brown played 43 sacks for the Panthers in their loss to the Raiders. And Noah Zanotti, the cornerback for the Dolphins, he had 37 snaps. The Dolphins lost to the Patriots. And to transition now, we'll discuss some of the college football games from this past weekend. In the ACC, we saw Wake Forest hosting number one Clemson. It was called Game Day for Wake Forest. It was the first time ever. Uh, Wake Forest has lost game day, of course, the first time they had it. So, see what the fans got it. But anyway, tough matches for Wake Forest first of the year. They lose to Clemson 37 13. Trevor Lawrence is 22 28 passing for 351 yards and one touchdown. And uh, really for Wake Forest, they had you know, a couple of times around the red zone that they missed field goals or, or had to settle for things in general. They only scored 13 points in this game, all in this coming second half. Uh, and also, like, of course, they're in a tough spot now, obviously. Uh, Tim Bartman being starting quarterback, he was highly moving out of school. He's not starting to be Newman, transferring out to going to the NFL. He was Newman was starting there last year. And of course, the Wake Forest thinks for us. He opted out of the season and declared for the draft, and he's a top five wide receiver. He's likely going to be a first round pick in the draft. But any tough circumstances for Wake Forest, so I expect they do. Better this afternoon against NC State. Other games include Miami. They're kind of a little bit of concern early on against UAB. They're only beating 14 to 7 at half time. They're only playing the team 31 14. UAB is a pretty scrappy team, I'll have to admit. For Miami, they're 
saying how he's going to transfer from Houston to Corvax. This was his first start for Miami, and he was pretty solid in his Miami debut. He was 16 for 24, so 144 yards and touchdown. He also ran the ball 12 times for 83 yards and that touchdown. As a pretty good dual threat quarterback. So Miami has to be a super team potentially in the ACC for playing at quarterback. Other games, of course, was Duke against Notre Dame. At Notre Dame, Notre Dame gets the victory there against Duke. Pretty solid performance from uh, Ian Brooks. He in the game, 263 yards passing and touchdown is a pretty serviceable for him. I think Notre Dame could be a team that really puts a price in the ACC. I think Notre Dame is the second best team in the ACC because, of course, they're finding all conference guys right now, all the COVID. So, good spot in North Notre Dame, even the same time as number 13. So, Notre Dame is currently very tight in the country. North Carolina ranks 18th in the country with Sam Howell, who was one of the best personal quarterbacks in the college football last season. He kept it going this, this season to start his sophomore year. He was 25 to 34 for 295 yards and touchdown, and a win over Sears, who's winning that one, 31 to 6. And then Oklahoma routed Missouri State 48 nothing as expected. So those are some of the general uh, early college football game scores for last week. The one other one I would point out also is Iowa State losing at home to Louisiana and a very bad loss for Iowa State. A lot of people thought they could be uh, one of the contenders in the Big 12, maybe push Oklahoma. But it was a, I mean, Louisiana is a decent team for a small conference. Louisiana usually makes it to a bowl game. But uh, the racing teams, they could have heard it on uh, Iowa State, even them by double digits. For this upcoming week, as you mentioned, it's with Forrest playing NC State at Seth with Forrest to bounce back. Uh, NC State, though, is, you know, the library game, I expect to be a close one. That one's an 8 o'clock start on this network at NC State. NC State also is not going to be a good for the first week for NC State. They host Syracuse, uh, Syracuse saw one past week, but still succeeded in the right type of the country. They host Syracuse in that one. And then also Notre Dame now moves up three spots in poll from 10 to 7. They host South Florida. And the Clemson was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty easy play for many teams across college football this week. The only thing I can see uh, ranking even was number 20 for Virginia Tech. They take on their in-state rival, Virginia. Of course, Virginia beat Virginia Tech for the first time in a decade last year. Virginia had a great season going to the Orange Bowl. Of course, Virginia is Miami. They lose first right person to the NFL. He's in the offensive squad right now, but so they have a new quarterback there. But I could see Virginia possibly knocking off Virginia Tech in that one. We're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we'll discuss the Auburn football as we continue to preview them as the SEC kickoff is only 10 days away until Auburn hosts Kentucky to start the season. You're listening to the Nasty Hour on WEGL 91.1 FM, and I'm your host, Glenn McLaughlin. Hello, and welcome back to the Nasty Hour. I'm your host and sports doctor, Glenn McLaughlin. In the start off, this time we'll discuss some Auburn football. Uh, most notable Auburn football news was how last, at the end of last week, Doug Malvin mentioned that of the tens of Auburn football players that are currently at Cody Gilligan's issues, uh, five of them are starters. Do not name who they are for uh, a reason. Do not disclose who those five starters that have COVID. 
But he did mention that it is expected that they all will be covered by the time of the Kentucky game next week. So that was an interesting note there. And uh, we'll discuss the projected depth chart right now for Auburn. Of course, quarterback, I expect the Bone Nick knows the bit there. Uh, it really seems to be a running back. I expect a running back like me. We've got Sean Cyrus, a junior. He's been running through a very impressive in the freshman year, particularly the LSU game, where he really stood out in that one. Same three feet, Lincoln and freshman. Now, four star recruit. Uh, he looks pretty good in camp. I expect him to get in that carry. I think he's part of the reason why he did get low transfers. Um, but same three feet coming in, I expect a lot of things from him. And also, we have extra freshman, Marcus B. Richards, and Joe Joyner, the Richard sophomore who we can talk about. And usually, how he uses an eight back. Because he's a very good pass after running back. I would expect uh, from the Sean Morris, you all think maybe for Joe Jordan to talk about the Boston, he's in more of an eight back role where he can catch the ball more. Uh, it's kind of like a little bit of a problem because whenever he comes out running back, it always seems he's just running back for a wheel route. Uh, but if they don't put that running back, give him some chance as well to be a defense. It makes it a little less predictable than the offense. So, it's a The official tight end is John Sanders Sanger, the tight end, uh, along with Luke Fields and Tyler Fong. Brandon Fraser, the incoming freshman, who is a four star tight end, coming out of Texas. Uh, I expect him to get a little fine time, but he's pretty far down the depth chart right now. He's just a little bit too tight end. So, he's going to get some fine time. But for the most part, I think it's going to be John Sanders Sanger. Uh, wide receivers, Seth Williams, a standout from the receivers, entering the senior season. I would not be surprised if Seth Williams, if he has a great season like this in the NFL, I think there's a chance that he's going to be a great wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, I think it's all going to kind of have to hold that he can But anyway, he's a standout for uh, all their wide receivers. I think it's the most pro-ready of all of them. He is at the split end spot. At Flanker, if he is for the sports, Enter his senior season, of course, last two years in Boston football and track. This year, more focused on football. Sports, uh, obviously, the speed is the biggest track thing, track star. He's basically as fast as Tyreek Hill. He's talented. He's great Tyreek Hill. It's never happened, but he is as fast as he knows. Obviously, he's on the next week. I would like to see him try to get more people than anything sports because obviously, not many cornerbacks I feel like he's. Even in the SEC, and be able to handle the speed. So I think Baldwin set the ball more often to him. Because it was found that whenever Anthony Sports got the ball a lot, Auburn usually won. But if you only have one or two passes in certain games, I think it's the Florida game, for instance, that's the silver game that Auburn usually lost. So it's really a correlation between Anthony Sports gets a good amount of touches, whether that be on jet speed or passing the ball in the passing game, Auburn usually won. So I think it's going to be very important for Auburn. In the spot spot, you see you know, so the registered senior, the leader really of the wide receiver for five set positions from his man. And then in the big spot spot is Cedric Jackson, every senior, definitely probably the best uh, run blocking uh, wide receiver on of all the receivers for all of us. But I expect a little more on the passing game as he spent some of the this season. I think he will get more fun time now as well. You know, because we saw some flashes in the Iron Bowl. Against Alabama. The biggest question for Auburn is, you know, of course, the offensive line. Only returning one starter, and that is Ms. Braun. 
and less tackle and was expected to be off the clock for the Richard Juniors. He started four to a season ago, then a point of the hour. He's now fully covered in the team's play with the beginning of that left tackle. A left guard is great in council. Richard Juniors, he is going to be his first time starting, so like I said, this is really the big question for all of us. We always always often, particularly with the offensive line. Two years ago, the offensive line was a problem because there were several new starters. It took them a while to get past the gun. And then it was they returned all five starting offensive linemen for this for last season. And I would say they did they did improve from the season before, but it wasn't like they were amazing, they were just a decent line. I kind of hope for them to be better than they were. And now we got a new change over at the offensive line again here. Probably going to be the offensive line as well. So hopefully that can kind of help improve them too. But this is the biggest question I feel like for Auburn is this offensive line. Nick Brown, of course, as I mentioned, he will be starting at center as a redshirt junior. A right guard is expected to be Chase on the end, redshirt junior. He is also the Virginia's first time starting, as I mentioned. And a right tackle for Darius Sam. He's Richard Jr. He was first recruited to be a potential line, but they converted him to offensive line. Uh, he's originally with a guard, and then with a tackle as well. He's played as a dude at right tackle right now, uh, going into the season. And now for the defense, where these things are more of a given, you kind of know what you expect from all defense. Using several top stars, of course, to the NFL, with Derek Brown being the first round pick, Louis Benavidi being the first round pick, they were both. Casey's all in those. Nathaniel Thomas going to the NFL. And then, of course, Tavares Davis, who is now currently on the Dolphins practice squad. The cornerback is now in the NFL. Big point over there is I expect at the quarterback position is going to be Chris Jones and Bryce McCreary. He's going to be the starting at cornerback. The other corner, of course, Christian Pott, very good slot receiver. Excuse me, slot cornerback. He's going to play the nickel and bring his senior season. Also, of course, you got Marco Domino Jr. He got some playing time before he's coming in. I think he could play in at one of the starting cornerback spots. Nehemiah Tickett, he's got a little playing time last season in some of the non-conference teams, such as the State. He's, as a sophomore year, I think he'll play this year now. And at the safety position, if you smoke Monday, the SAC season along with Kingdom Service, the other junior. They're both starting in the place of Daniel Thomas back there, along with, uh, you know, the next quarter of our series. I wouldn't be too concerned about all the secondary, even though they've lost four players there to the NFL and graduating, because Sherwood and Smoke Monday, they've gotten time time before the past and then they played them. Along with Jordan Peters, who played a lot of secondary last few years, he's coming in, he's gotten time time before. So I'm not too concerned about all the secondary. At the linebacker position, we had KJ Britt, the leader of the linebacking court of his senior season. I would say the best player on all the seasons would be KJ Britt. Very good uh, in pass coverage, very good in the mold of what the football is going after the past season. He is a very good run stopper as well, very athletic. So he's going to be senior year, he's a leader of the defense. I guess on linebacker spots, we have Owen Papo as a sophomore year, he's a four star recruit. Started the freshman year last season was pretty impressive. Look, I would look for him to improve even more as a sophomore year. Jacoby McLean, the junior season, of course, the highlight of him last year was the pick six that he had for 100 yards 
in the Iron Bowl. He will be the other outside linebacker starting for Auburn. At the Bucks position, we're trying to get past that same spot. T.D. Mulford, senior, he's waiting to be that one Bucks spot. And in that defensive end, which before he had Ryan played the Bucks spot, and now they knew that was Derek Brown and Ron Davis and the NFL. He kept Ryan just on the bus to get into the front of him. He then did a senior season field start there. Along with Kobe Williams, he's a registered freshman. Terry Wheaton, the linebacker, was kind of playing over the end. He opted out of the season for COVID reasons. So, over a little center, there's a defensive line outside linebacker spot. But for the most part, we have to keep Ryan at the front of him. So, the defensive back is being tied on Trucell Senior. Trucell, of course, played a lot. He started most of the games last year with Jamie at the defensive tackle, and then he would be starting there, and then Daquan Newkirk as well, another defensive lineman who was rotating in the same last year. He'll be the other starting defensive tackle for Auburn. And then for special teams, of course, Aaron Sipos, who was very good, in my opinion, one of the top hunters in the SEC, with his rugby style contest down, and he is now graduating and uh, gone to NFL practice squad right now. So right now, it's a little bit of a competition between Oscar Chapman, who's a freshman, and Aiden Marshall, a junior. Hasn't been announced yet who will be the starting point of the season. A kicker is going to be on the Carlton game. The Richard Jr., of course, the younger brother of Daniel Carlton, the kicker for the Raiders, as I mentioned earlier. So he will be the kicker. And then at uh, the return spot, I expect Christian Cox, who was named to the competition in the last year. Along with Noah Ganagi, it's going to be cut. I expect that probably time. And that kicker turn, I think, will be possibly some Christian cut, but most of them from this part going to be John Shires, likely, with his feet staggered and looking out for him to kick off his hand. So, likely, Shires, so, and Mark Lincoln and Richard are going to be three guys located at kickoff his hand. I think it looks like it will be John Shires. We are going to take a break now, and when we come back, we are going to recap NFL Week 1 and preview NFL Week 2. That as we enter Week 2 coming up, Thursday night will be the Bengals and Browns. You're listening to the Hour on WEGL 91.1 FM, and I'm your host, Brendan Lawson. Hello, and welcome back to the Mackey Hour. I'm your host and sports doctor, Brendan Lawson. And we have a caller now. It is Michael in Washington, D.C. Michael, welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Yes, always nice to have you on. Yeah. Good to come and have football back this year. I know we have a lot of things to talk about, but I'll talk about it later because it's a good time. And that's how it's coming back into the fold. Yeah, for sure, exactly. Yeah, I think that was, uh, we, I'm definitely happy about that. You said this time earlier. Um, I think, you know, a big chance for our team, a football season, uh, without the big chance, I think, because obviously it's going to go high stakes, national championship contenders, people I think will be able to push Clemson and say Alabama, the other school in the SEC. I think it's a really good step for national championship. I think if they were involved, I think people would say the national because obviously the second field, who's arguably top, can probably be a top three draft pick, probably just the second best quarterback in college, right behind Trevor Lawrence, who is a very close between the two playoffs. I think it's very good news that uh, the Big Ten is going to have season starting October 24th. Yes, so what I thought I was talking about is that 
that I've happened to see, you know, that has to be some breakout quality. I'm just awesome to see that. So, if you've got to talk about it, I'm a fan of the Gucci ID, you know, the support of Hockley Breakout. You know, and you can talk to your star of the like a very good chance to play with you. Well, on defense, one player I think of right away is Ryan McCreary. He didn't start last season, but he was probably, of all like, the back corners, he played the most. Um, he's now going to be starting on the boundaries and the back corners. I think expect him to be a breakout year. He's actually his junior season. He really flashed a little last season. I think you can expect a lot from him upcoming uh, this season. So on defense, if I have a central player that has a breakout year, I would point to Bryce McCreary. I would also kind of lean towards Owen Papo. I know he started as a freshman in every game last season, but I could see him taking a jump uh, upcoming this season. For the offense, any breakout player, I have to say, can kind of the same kind of core uh, skill player guy. So if I had to say breakout player in offense, it would be Tank Dixie. Now it will be interesting to see how he does. He has very tough hands, and obviously all of them should be running back up to the uh, but I see Big Bang having a pretty big role in offense. Along with TJ Williams, of course, he had the shoulder surgery that kept him from playing in the beginning of the season. But once he was healthy, I think he's already great over and just running back. Um, but I think he could be another breakout guy for that core and then all the sun side. So that would say breakout people in that running back room, it would be uh, basically in going. Um, I would say the typical enthusiasm, though, kind of highlights the four and last week, though, if they're anything newer, it would be that hashtag more, and the state kind of offense is going to be more. They think I'm opening up more in the passing game. That's, I think that's the most exciting thing. That's not typically the vanilla. Always, we're, we're improving. It could be better. I think it's interesting how it seems like they're going to try to make the offense a little more complex in the passing game instead of the basic crossing asset and come back to that uh, over and make the run in the passing game. Um, so I think that's an exciting thing. I think, and, uh, personally, I do think it will be better with Chad Moore at all this point years because, as I highlighted before, you see all the corner comes to with the Sunwalks, and that was a pretty good uh, offense they had there. So I think uh, he could be very helpful in progressing and progress to entering his sophomore year. Uh, one specific player, I would have to say, maybe for Auburn in the passing game, for me, but most of it could be a standout at receiver, would be Trevor Jackson, who kind of flashed in the iron ball as I mentioned before earlier. So, but I, I think he will have a bigger role in the offense. Because before, usually, whenever they brought him in, it would usually be for a couple of fun blocking to get a great size. But uh, I could see him being more of an impact uh, this season. Uh, this season. So, he's really the triple So I wish we could get it's probably going to be Big Cat Bryant. He'll be one of the starters. And then Team Moultrie as well. I think those are going to be all the key pass rushers. Now, 
And you ask for these like years, really, even problems. Most friends pick up on eBay on some three or four stacks. They're not necessarily they're a decent pack, but they're not going to be one of the teams that make sure the game's playing for. Or if they don't, they're going to wreck the game. Um, so they're, they're pretty good stop in the line and they're decent pack for these. Now, I think all of them still have that board in the roster to answer your question. I don't think you can win it. Kind of like a deep board on the team right now that uh, teams really have to worry about. And um, to get double digits that team. Why is that? I feel like that's just arguing about the point. Well, I know obviously it's easy to pick you up, but it's actually just that, you know, these points may not have for a while. Yeah, it's only five, five, six years. Yeah, well, I have a top five, six years. I'm just saying that I've been able to find someone who's from there outside the rest of the process. Like, where are you seeing the process? It's a very good question. And I don't know what's the issue there, really, because I said, Auburn always try to have five things. They talk to Texas, but people around the time still know so well. And they're still at the Texas Interior Defensive Line, well, obviously, with, uh, with Derek Brown and Ron Davidson, who would play a combination of Interior Defensive Line, and he would play the defensive end. Ron Davidson, though, is not a translator of the tackle in the uh, NFL. But he's doing the most of that. But for all of us, and he just led with the power rush people. And he had around nine or ten sacks last year. So he's got that true speed rusher that he for. But I can't really point fingers to put a finger on why all this can't really. Because they're so well at every other position on defense. I don't know why it's a problem to bring in a premier pass rusher out of high school. It's a good question. I'm really not sure why. So, my last question. Yeah, we 
Would not rule that out. Now, I will say today, Christopher Johnson, uh, the best owner, said that uh, Adam Gates is an offensive genius, which I thought was a pretty absurd statement to make. As he walked to Jeff Falcon uh, last year, they were ranked the worst offense in the league in most categories, in second last also. But the Dolphins, who was last year, Dolphins are ranked among the bottom three in the NFL and also. This year, I was expecting the year, very poor performance against the Bills. Of course, the Bills in the original game in Buffalo. Bills are one of the best defense in the league. I get that. And the Jets have very little count at the perimeter of the receiver spot. Not much count around St. Bonner. But anyhow, we make that statement. We're pretty absurd. And I don't, I don't know about the, uh, the football knowledge of Christopher Johnson. I, I don't think he's really uh, the best person to be saying, oh, uh, what do you know about football, Christopher Johnson, to make that statement? Uh, 
injuries there? I think I think they can pull it off. Yes, they have the count on the roster. They're count wise, they have the best most count in the American League. Maybe second to Dodgers. It's very close. In my opinion, I, so I think. Yes, what do you think, Sam? Um, but 
having said his status, but I would think that the people who have been walking in and bringing in as an executive, I could see them possibly being Rojas as an ancestor. So we still have. Thank you. 
I just don't think the quarterback can only get there. I just know that I'm so happy to see him. And I'm going to be happy to play that. But, um, I think that I think the Packers and the Dolphins are the best chance of the win right now. And if they are in the playoff state, you know, they now, I think they will keep the Packers and the Dolphins. And I'm totally cool with that. It's just magic, you know. Yeah, I'll ask you that multiple times, too. Look at that. Oh, yeah. And I was more funny this morning. And then I was going to go back to the end zone for the Lions on the 9-16 team to get a safety. No one was the best. Um, yeah. And I think I think it's perfect. Ohio State, they 
if they opt back in and they're going to play this season, I think uh, the house is perfectly set up where they should. Obviously, they're going to be the favorites and what they can and then compete for an actual championship. But I think this is the best news that we can get. Absolutely, absolutely. And I kind of think there's a concern right there that Stockwave not having fun to do. I, I love to hear that because Chris didn't uh, like David Stockwave. Uh, obviously, both great players. Obviously, what they've done here at the school. But uh, given how the guys have lost on defense uh, to the draft this past year, mm-hmm. I think Stockwave, I see one of the guys come back. I like to come back because he's a uh, he's factor in that. He's the game until he forced uh, to get ejected for the penalty towards the halftime. And then, um, Obviously, uh, it's going to be a uh, good like that. Yeah. yeah, for sure, definitely. Because, yeah, Brian Davis being on the screen, kind of going there. I'm going to have to always get to the club, so it's probably 25. But it's not going to be more playing than it's going to be on defense. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. It would be huge, for sure. For sure, for sure. So I just kind of want to, that's how I want to talk about my show because, you know, I just have to be a giant guy up here in Ohio with both guys and had that long conversation last week. So I was really looking forward to it. It worked out perfectly. We got to do it today. There's no space. We got to know how I'm starting my, uh, yeah, I knew that they're in that position today. It's like, perfect, perfect. It's all done today. It really worked out. It really worked out. Anyway, this is kind of transition over to some more football, uh, this past week in the NFL, a lot of guys, I, I know you're talking about your, your all the guys in the league earlier in last week who were kind of doing your all the rookies uh, who you got your eye on, but I want to kind of open that up to uh, the whole league. I want to ask you, which uh, rookies really stood out to you this past week in the NFL? So, one, I think of right away is Joe Burrow. I think for, yep, definitely for, you know, big expectations for him being the number one overall pick, and they're starting right away. Uh, for his first start, I thought he played pretty well. He's 22 for 36 for 193 yards. He had one interception, so not much in the game. He had that one really nice rushing touchdown on the draw. And what impressed me the most was Brandon Schumann drilled perfectly. They're driving down the field. He gets first down after another, working the clock really well. He gets around the red zone, but eventually gets himself in a field goal. And then Brandon Bull, I don't know what he's doing, yeah, a very kicker completely stands for a field goal that would have sent to overtime, and then he managed to for the total chance. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 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 going on there. But I definitely agree with the Joe Burrow all the things that I, uh, that I was uh, thinking myself. Two minutes ago, it didn't really sit out to me because, um, I mean, I knew, you know, Joe Burrow has the most pure talent in, in terms of the rookies in his past draft class and what he could he would we, what we knew he could do himself but it was a question of what more could he do with his offense around him and I mean obviously it showed a little bit that he was under pressure early and they didn't really get much going with, with their offensive line but in terms of uh, his personal success I think that he really uh, was able to work with what he had and it shows what kind of skills he has and that's why I think he popped into my first top of my mind first and you could see his raw talent especially with his individual he was not just I mean, he looked like he was taking better plays in there. It wasn't the same throws that a rookie usually makes in that situation. He was cool, calm, collected, and he was uh, just kind of used to his tight windows. Now they're looking like that. Like, throws you see Tom Brady on the knockout. Of course, uh, not saying that Tom Brady has anything like that, but some, some throws that you see Tom Brady make on a similar throw when you put him in these windows and he, he throws a yeah, high risk, high reward for the passes. You know, so it was great to see him do that. And then, 
like you said, they had to sell for that field goal. But uh, yeah, even so, I, I know it was a push off, and it was a challenge on a roll. But um, that was regardless of what, of what the receiver had done or the catch, it wasn't a loose throw it, put it in the right spot, the right time. It was, it was a, a high pressure situation, and he delivered, he did his job, and everything he could to keep the win. So. I think definitely think that he's the first thing that comes to mind because the rookies have really stepped up the, the, this first week, and I think that he's definitely one who we're going to continue to see make the play and have more success throughout the season. Definitely, I totally agree. I totally agree. And then another guy, if I say, another LSU guy would be is uh, Clyde Oberthaler. Yeah. Uh, Yep. Yeah, he's yeah. 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 yards and touchdown. Yeah. Um, winning people's fantasy games, but for sure, I feel like he's He's like to be a first round pick in fantasy, and he's uh, still in value right now. Um, very impressive performance from him this month. So, where are we going to go with that? Yeah. And I, I talked to a couple of people who said some buddies and stuff like that. They said that it, he looks like a super team now. He's looking like the NBA with these guys. Yeah. So, I showed him at the Oscar Basketball Hall, that's the LeBron James for the team, but then he had the Strats with the super talented wide receivers that they had. And you know, last season they were kind of fixing the, they had a whole right back in the result, but Clyde was a total two-way back. He can catch, he can run, he can do it all, he can run hard at all times. So it's definitely an exciting player for us to have. I think the rookie has got to be on notice, that's a scary thing for sure. For sure, yeah, exactly. Because Clyde was running in with the weakness of that all time. Not to say that he was going to be bad, but Clyde was going right away as a rookie. Um, very impressive. It's kind of scary. Again, he's off one game. He can't get too excited, but I think that uh, 
for the campsite that we have so far, one thing definitely something to get excited about was that we, uh, what we showed on Sunday. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, what he's done now. And that's what a freak, really. He's uh, insane. He's insane. He was playing like how I had a feeling going into this game, obviously, that the training camp put it, but then he completely blown to that ball.
if the Patriots, if they take away, if the Patriots run game with Cam Newton, say the Seahawks take away that run game, they're going to force Cam Newton in the passing game to make plays in that game. So, he's only seen the other Patriots defense in defense, and now has some options, of course, with the Seahawks. So, it's an interesting where, uh, exactly, two very solid secondaries. So, if the running game just goes out to the um, it's down to be put the pass so it's very interesting that Corey Jackson that's one I think of for sure if I had to pick another one potentially I was playing three by that Saints Raiders Monday night game as well because I think the Raiders are they were my last wild card team to AFC to make it they pulled off an exciting win against the uh, against the Panthers this past weekend with Josh Jacobs he had three touchdowns in that game the Saints which obviously coming off that nice win against the Buccaneers. So the one knock on people thought that the Saints offense did not look too explosive. And now they take a hit now with Michael Thomas, which is going to be out for a few weeks with ankle sprain. So I'm going to be free how they carry into the Raiders as they open up their new stadium in Las Vegas. You can nickname it the, uh, it's the Death Star, just like a calling stadium there. So um, that's another game I'm very uh, intrigued about as well. Championship and then 
definitely academic. All there are some rookies really flat there. I wasn't talking to Joe Burrow. Um, I think it helped with Joe Burrow a lot. Um, you know, starting the last few years at LSU, that's obviously a great year last year. Going to be the main national championship. And of course, he's also 24 years old. He's one of those rare um, young quarterbacks that's coming in uh, pretty old for his age at 24. You can see them rocking at 21, 22. For example, Sam Barnes is 21 years old. He's entered his third year in the league. Uh, he's going to turn 22 soon, but he's entered his third year in the league. And then he's got Burrow as a rookie. He's two years old already. But um, that's a lot. And finally, it's rare. Definitely flat. And then Dobbins is pretty strong to keep up at. So definitely some rookie flexing so far in the NFL. And then the yeah, end of the games will be very solid. You've got the two prime time games. Yeah, I like I like that choice of a that's that's not a stupid game where people don't think of right away, but I think that could be exciting one between Washington and Cardinals. We're gonna take one more break and when we come back we'll continue to discuss the NFL, we'll discuss the NBA playoffs with big news with the Clippers losing in seven games to the Nuggets, we'll discuss the Celtics in Heat series, and then we'll also do a quick preview of the US Open that begins today. You're listening to the Matthew Hour Overtime on WEGL 911 FM and WEGL And I'm your host, Ben Gawson. Hello, and welcome back to the Matthew Hour Overtime. I'm your host, and sports doctor, Ben Gawson. And we have a caller now in a spotter in Northern Virginia. Hello, welcome to the show. Yes, always nice to have you on. I will might add that the car we talk about in that commercial. It's not the same car that calls in. The show is going to clarify that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, you're not the first the car we're talking about. But anyhow, uh, we'll start off with some NFL. I know you are a Jets fan, Connor, and uh, do not look too pretty this past Sunday. Oh, what do you mean? You can't start in the first three days of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last one's back, but yeah, I'm starting back. We're getting back. That's impressive. I don't know how you do that, Joe, but it's just 30 seconds. That's pretty crazy. Uh, the Dodgers are just a very, very good performance season. I know if you look at the stats, it was, the stats made them look nicer than it actually was. So if you look at the stats, they didn't look like it's so terrible. But if you watch the game, you didn't get to anything. And the offense didn't do anything other than James and Travers. And that one, that one six under the head that, there was nothing there. Am I wrong? Do you think I was wrong about that? Because that's what I I wish you wrong, and I will say, Tim Donald did not get help with the talent that's around. James Crowder is a good spot receiver, don't get wrong. He's a very good spot receiver. I think he's like a top 10 spot receiver in himself. But the top 10, there's no one else. I think the hope is Denzel Mims is potentially something, but he's on the right now. The hamstring, Logan Bell, first hamstring, he's down in the yard, they can't say he's in the two games for that. But I'd be great. He's down on the end. And that ends up looking better than this guy played. I know, like, maybe it's the second quarter, and he's like, one for six with a zero quarterback rating. Yeah, that's what I sent you over. I sent you that statistic. Yeah. Absolutely atrocious. It was. It was completely atrocious. Yeah, I, I gotta give you credit. You really just wanted to see what the best sound that statistic is. But, overall, it's tough to get. You know, in terms of the analogy, we're going to trickle Sandal. Daniel Watson, since I saw him. Yesterday, and that's a lot talking about how he's been saying all so very well, except for those missing several elite throws, he, he said, and that Sam Donald will not get better because the only way for him to get better is for to get rid of Adam Gates or to not play for the Jets. That's his opinion. And I think Donald has that potential 
say, well, but I wasn't back at the day, and I don't know how Mr. Johnson says today that he's looking at all kinds of things. The stats do not suggest that. Maybe the stats didn't watch the game itself. He just watches a stupid eye, and you can see that the eyes of the stupid offense is not very impressive or innovative. Well, you can just see over like the course of the coaching year, he's really the judge. So this is how the second worst offense in almost every category. That is, you're not a genius at an offense, by the way. Exactly. It's almost the absolute worst. But that's what the Jets have been for the last, like, decade. I think there's been two times in the last, like, 12 years or so that they've scored more than 17 points, like, per day. In the that's insane. It's that's just a really, really bad offense for a really bad time. And Adam Gates is just like, that's a common thing. That's a mediocrity. It's just a but it is right now. Exactly. It's just amazing right now. It's just a lot of people understand the frustration for sure with Adam Gates if that's the case. Indeed, that's true. I'm not sure if Ron Flores right now is the offensive coach. I think uh, I think the Dolphins have the right head coach right now with how they did last year. The Dolphins have been the worst roster in the league and still won five games. Uh, that, that much better roster this year. And then, so the segue to the Dolphins team is the Patriots. I was disappointed. I was disappointed a lot. I expected the Dolphins. I didn't expect them to necessarily win that game. I thought they had to stop. And they were in it the whole game. It was a three-point game until four minutes left and the Patriots got a touchdown. So you could put their offense and that's what they're going to be won by. But um, the defense, I thought, would have been a little better prepared for Cam Newton's running style. We all knew he was going to run the ball. Instead, they watched his film, which was Panthers, went to Panthers game. But still, they, they struggled to stop that. So that was frustrating. On offense, Devontae Parker was doing very well. He had a hamstring injury. He reacted a bit. But it seemed like he might be able to play this week, though. So it's not too, too serious. But what about the tactics? Who are the Dolphins fans? I know. Uh, and some people are wondering, is it time to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick for Tua Tagovailoa after one game because Fitzpatrick is doing something? And my response to that, I think I was pretty, pretty ridiculous to suggest that. Two of the interceptions that Fitzpatrick threw were not his fault. One of them was the receiver slipped on the cut as he threw it. And the third one, and so that was the first interception, and then the third one he threw was Mike Sticky. The defender was all over him. It's good to pass his parents. We don't call him. He gets picked off. Yeah. I wouldn't advise that 
again, fair to write the text against the Google last year. Um, and it's been the offseason this year. So there is a new offense. It's the same year as the new offense. I mean, obviously, the past is not the same as the other players with softball. And then when the other is not the point of the game. But uh, it's actually being fair to him. And it's kind of being fair to the two of my roles. Obviously, you wouldn't be prepared to have a normal offseason to get ready. And it's the whole team's plan for not to play at all this year. I think you might eventually start to get the past with it. Thank you. 
And what I would say also, that they're talking about this selfish speech theory. Before we go against that, though, in this teaching conference, I found with the selfish investors, and I corrected this predictive last week, that uh, the selfish was really doing six to the rafters, but one day seven, and that is what happened. That is what happened. I think the rest had a lot to do with four seconds, seven. I lost it. There was so many things on the rafters where I just find to four to six seconds. I agree. It was four to six I'm very glad it's the subject one and seven because I don't think the practice is serving you on that track. I think you're going to bring some kind of technical foul or something else to make Yeah, 
a very good special team. Like, all right, let's take that for sure. You know, pull up some three. And if I'm going to take a step back and I sound like that, I want Kemba Walker, who's still in college, he's still throughout the playoffs, party at Kemba, his classic step back shot. He's got that shot down to a pop. He waits in the game with, uh, last night. He hit a, a step back shot on the, the mid range. He's almost, if he's further on that shot, I would have preferred him. If we're going to take a uh, jump shot, I want Kemba Walker. And then in overtime, I would have had a feeling if he's already caught that ball in the corner for three. I have a feeling he's going to make it if he does. And then he set his first shot at the end, and then he has to turn both sides of the basket. And then back in the bottom, I got to get that. I got to give you credit. That was a pretty great block by him on a, on a dunk. Clean block straight up on Jason Tatum. Very impressive. Uh, where do you think that ranks the, uh, the final? A lot of people are talking about today. Where does that rank all time block? I think, in my opinion, I think it took more skill than the LeBron case um, down block on Andre Gabal in the big finals against Ben. But there was obviously more on the line than the LeBron one. That was in the final. But the LeBron one is bad by the season on the final. So it would only be more on LeBron against Ben. But this one is just another block in your opinion. I think the context of this try doesn't matter so much. Game seven of the NBA finals. And this has been like two and a half minutes with no one scoring at all. They wanted to be done 
they were out getting a single shot. I saw Paul George's last three quarters. Bang, like bang. <laughs> It's uh, historically been known to be a very tough course 
the real CA space, they try to make it a little easier for the golf assistants. My favorite going in, I got a little Justin Johnson, who went to FedEx Cup, well, the John is a great role as a boy. I think he's the favorite, in my opinion, and he's my pick, too, to win U.S. Open. But I look for also John Rahm, for sure. Tiger Woods, 42 on odds, plays your spots on Tiger, and the little golfer is our best piece of it. He's too long. Well, I was never kind of Tiger, and Tiger would be people watching Tiger would still, at this point of his career, still the biggest draw to Tiger Woods, 41 odds, I don't think that's that. You're taking I don't want to say that. I don't think that's the thing. I don't want to talk about Tiger Woods. He's one of the best of our series. He's still, obviously, he's playing a trick only now. He's trying to stay healthy with the back and everything. But, um, Exciting to offer for a tournament. The Magic Tiger is looking for it all. So, Jerry Woodland is defending with the champion of scoring a couple of beats last year. Sarah Mickelson always in the mix there. It seems to me do so. I think it should be interesting to open there at a new show in New York. It's been answer. Well, I look at the stupid part of the question. Let's see if he does that. Yeah, hopefully he does. He didn't make the cut in Chicago in the second round of the second round, so he didn't make it to the final. Uh, in five points there in Atlanta. But, um, it's just an extra rest here for us. We will go from there, but it's a great thing for sure. It's good, man. And so, uh, Connor, I think that's just about wrapped up our show. I thank you for calling in. Well, thanks for the audience. Yes, always thank you, Ron. So that was Connor in Pennsylvania calling in to discuss some of what we're going to talk about live and talk to the best. Got the NBA playoffs, did a little US Open preview there. Uh, it's super definitely interesting there. Uh, you know, all the media got pushed back to stand off because of COVID 19. So we're going to do US Open now, and then in November, we'll do the history. But US Open first there in uh, New York. And one last thing before we wrap up the show here is Dallas Cup playoffs. You see the Dallas Stars and knocked out. So the Vegas Golden Knights in five games, and the Knights were part of the favorite going into the playoffs. So they're already knocked out five games and losing the Western Conference final. This is the first time the Stars are going to the final in 20 years. So they're a very good young team. They got the fourth game again, though, of course, in Tyler Stadium. And uh, they're working pretty well. And then for the Eastern Conference, the Islanders, they saved off elimination last night with an overtime win over the Lightning. It was a good uh, overlay to overtime goal. And they are now down 3 2 in that series. Uh, I would not rule out the Islanders, a very scrappy team. The Germany is definitely the more talented team, but the Islanders are very well coached under Barry Cross, and they play hockey very tough. They got a very nice play style where defensively, they really, they really get that 100 percent effort, I gotta say. They're one of the teams that really grind that game. So I would not rule out the Islanders yet to uh, come back from the series and still pull it off and try to make a Stanley Cup final burst in several decades. And that just about wraps up our show. I would like to thank Michael in Washington, D.C. I like to thank Danny with the team. Holly from Virginia there. I like to thank Connor in Northern Virginia and Chris in Ohio for sure. For all calling to the show, that wraps up our show this week. And I'll catch us next week on Wednesday from 3 to 5. Thank you for listening to the Mackie Hour and the Mackie Hour Overtime Edition. 
Catch us here next Wednesday from 3 to 5 on WEGL 91.1 FM. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU and visit our website, WEGLFM.com. Thank you.